0: Hey, everybody, this is Miss Trinidad and Tobago 2014, Sarah Jane Waddle, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tealdo. Hey,
1: everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now? Or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today was Miss Trinidad and Tobago 2014 and later that year a semi-finalist in the Miss World competition. She received her bachelor's degree from Villanova University and served as the Strategic Communication Officer of the Ministry of Energy and Energy Affairs in Trinidad and Tobago. She is both an accomplished TV and radio host and even has her own radio show on a daily basis. And recently she began a new fashion design business called SJW Designs in which she creates carnival costumes and also swimsuits. The business has blown up very quickly and become quite successful. Matter of fact, she's accomplished so much that some people tell me she's earned the nickname the Queen of Trinidad because she seems to be the jack of all trades in many respects. So I'm happy to (laughs) welcome all the way by phone from Trinidad and Tobago, Sarah Jane Waddle. So great to have you on.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) What an illustrious introduction. You're going to have to stop there because I think my head is swelling up so much now. I'm not going to be able to get out the door i the queen of Toronto.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, that's just what people tell me. So congratulations on having that oh, nickname. Goodness. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, well, you, so for sir. those of you listening, real quick, my connection to Sarah is actually through uh, Miss United States 2014 Elizabeth Seyfrit. So, uh, Sarah, if you want to tell everybody, I believe you two are so close now that you're going to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. So talk about that relationship. Oh,
0: goodness, yes. And it's quite funny because I, I gave her a disclaimer. You know, I said Elizabeth if you don't want to make me a bridesmaid, that's okay. Because <laughs> after she got engaged, right, I just said, just taking that stress off of you, I know you have a lot of lovely girlfriends, you know, and I don't live there, so I understand. Um, but at the same time, I'm just letting you know, I had a time that you're going to be one of mine, so I'm just <laughs> putting that out there. She was like, are you crazy? Of course you're a bridesmaid. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I guess now the world knows. <laughs> but um, yes, no, Elizabeth is... Uh, she really is one of the best things that came out of Miss World, in my opinion. She's um she's just a fantastic human and a great friend. And it's it's very it's very easy to see somebody on the outside and think, you know what, they they have their lives and they're perfect or whatever, or or even to think that, you know what, secretly they're not a nice person or secretly they can't be that great. You know, Elizabeth is somebody who she's worked really really hard, so I respect her for that. And she's very, very smart, so I respect her on that level, too. But most of all, she's just a beautiful person, as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. So, yeah, that's my girl. Yeah, that's well, my I, own girl. <laughs> I believe you two met back
1: at, uh, I guess, at Villanova while you were in the sororities. Is that right?
0: Oh, no, no, no. We met on the first day of, uh, of of Miss World. She came in and sat down. And, of course, because she's Miss USA, I mean, already everybody's, like, whispering and looking. And, <laughs> oh, my goodness, da 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 and well, you know me, I just went and sat down right next to her and was like, Hey, what's up? I'm Sarah Jane, I'm Miss Trinidad and Tobago, you you know, like and then we just started talking and that sorority connection obviously is like that's an experience that we both had in our lives. So that was just a very easy in, you know, and then it was so valuable having someone like her there, you know, like a real friend that, you know, even rehearsals, you're there for like hours and hours and we're just there playing games on our phone, laughing, like having a ball, you know, and you're just seeing other girls sitting on their street. Stressed out, like, marked out, you know, and I'm just like, thank God, Elizabeth. I still thank God for it. She's a gem.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I just actually this talked to her about an hour ago, right before we jumped on. I just wanted to get a little background on you, and she was telling me that not only do you speak the, the great English that we hear right now, I believe you speak quite a few languages. <laughs> Can you tell me how many languages you speak and which ones?
0: Oh, no. Well, <laughs> it gets very exaggerated. No, I've done, I've, I I uh, I do have a degree in Mandarin, So, um, but I will say I'm a little rusty because I just don't get to practice enough. Sure. Um, But I do get to practice when I go to the Chinese restaurants and it wows people every time. So that (laughs) never gets old. (laughs) Um, But I would say definitely my Spanish is more fluent. Um, I spent a few years in Costa Rica as a child growing up. So I always really wanted to maintain it because I understood how important it was you know and uh, and then you know I always kind of had it there and then now my business is largely run in Spanish by people with people who don't really speak very good English thankfully my employees have been my Spanish is back to 100 again <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, very
0: good I have to speak Spanish all day my boyfriend just like rolls his eyes because all I'm doing all day is just making phone calls in Spanish <laughs> so so yeah, but I mean that has been a big big help to me. I would encourage anybody who has language capabilities don't lose it, especially Chinese and 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 um, Spanish. I mean, once you if you know Chinese and Spanish, you've already locked down so much of the world in, in itself, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then also just Chinese, I would say practicality. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to use it every day. But when you go into a job interview and you tell people you speak Mandarin, I guarantee that's going to be one of the, that's the first candidate that they've heard say that, you know, and it's always like makes your resume jump off the page. So for me, that's definitely where the Mandarin, the value of it lies.
1: Well, very cool. Well, I'll tell you what, you are my very first international contestant that I have had on the show, so thanks for, for doing this. Um, for those of you listening, oh, if you I don't remember where Trinidad and Tobago is, it's off the northern coast of Venezuela, down there, uh, south of uh, kind of the Cuba and the Dominican Republic. Now, I obviously am not very familiar with Trinidad and Tobago, so I'd be interested to know, how did you get into the pageant world coming from Trinidad and Tobago?
0: Well, Trinidad and Tobago, is actually, they are very big on their pageant. Um, and it, it's funny because it's almost becomes like it's part of the vernacular. When you see a beautiful girl, you go, oh my gosh, you're so pretty. You should go from the channel and Tobago. And so it's funny now because <laughs> people who don't know who I am will tell me that, that I'm just there all suddenly like. Well, I, I was, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, no, basically when I was a little girl, I was living in Costa Rica at the time. And I think, you know, when you're that age, when you're like nine, ten years old, you don't really want things to, you just want to fit in with your friends. You don't really want things that will make you stand out in a strange way. You just want to be, you know, blend in. And already I didn't really speak the language so well. And then I was from this little island where nobody knew where that was, you know, so I just like didn't really like to talk about it. And then Miss Universe, I mean, of course, we missed home so much. And Miss Universe was kind of our way of connecting with home because everybody at home is pageant crazy, you know. So my mom and I used to watch Miss Universe every year. And so one year we're watching and this is 1998. So 20 years ago. Wow. 20 years ago, the dream was born. (laughs) That's crazy. I'm old. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, and I'm sitting down with my mom. We're watching it. And we're watching Trinidad first, you know, make the first cut. And we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then she made the next cut. And, like, you know, we're, like, having heart failure. And then by the time she won, well, it was just, like, apoplectic. Like, I'm, like, jumping up and down on the bed. Like, I can't... We, you know, it was, like, one of the best moments ever. And I just remembered the next morning, I am um, on the bus. And it was in the papers. She was like front and center, her picture, Wendy Fitzwilliam wins Miss Universe. And all these kids are coming up to me in the box and they're like, isn't this where you're from? Like this this is your girl that want. And I felt like so proud to be from Trinidad. And it was just like this very special moment for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know what happened. And that's when I just said, I want to do this for little girls one day. Like I want to make little girls feel Proud to be Trinidadian and proud because, as a small island, this probably you haven't heard before, or maybe in some, some version of this from smaller states. But pageantry levels out the playing field, it allows smaller nations to compete with nations that they normally would never ever have a chance with. Like something like GDP, we can never compete with America on GDP, but sure. I can technically compete with America. At a pageant, you know, so it's it's, so we could potentially beat these countries that we have just become so accustomed to saying, well, we're from a a country with 1.2 million people. What are we going to do? You know, and so you're standing shoulder to shoulder with them and there's just something very hopeful about that. And so that was when I just, I called it my secret dream and I said to myself, okay, I am going to do this one day, you know, And, and of course, everybody just was like, okay, like, and I just said, you know what, let me not talk about it because how do you talk about that? When people go, oh, what is your dream? You say, yes, I want to be a Mistrede on Tobago and I want to win a pageant. People will be like, okay, like you just sound very vain Mm -hmm. and superficial almost, you know. So I just called it my secret dream. And those who knew me very well knew that that was something I wanted. So I had this thing, you know, and I just kind of nursed it quietly for years, didn't really talk about it. And then when I was 23, I got a phone call from my friend and she was just like, oh, my gosh. They are doing auditions, um, castings this weekend for it. And you're at your peak now. So I think you should do it, right? And I had just, I was now getting over a little heartbreak. So I was like feeling sad. I was like, okay, this will be a good distraction. And, you know, I'd kind of forgotten about it, you know, mm-hmm. and then I went. They had about 250 girls showed up that day and they chose 10. And I could not believe that I made it into that 10. And so that was just a ride on its own, you know, and that was like my first experience at pageantry and I didn't win, but it was also a good exercise in self-awareness because I was able to very objectively look at these girls around me and say, and because you're training with them, you know, who's the strongest, you know, who's the most prepared and you understand. And it was just my first time seeing behind the curtain. So that was in 2012. And I did it, you know, and I placed whatever, and it was fine. It was a great experience. I was very thankful for it. And then a couple of years later, they were like, try Miss World, try Miss World. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, am I really going to put my whole life on hold again? Like for this thing? I don't know. And then I did a little more research on Miss World. And I was like, you know what? This is something I could really do well at because Miss World is very, very focused on, you know, it's like a resume. Yeah. So it's very focused on your achievements what you've done I'm you know very all-rounded look at the girl and I said to myself okay I mean I'm not 6'1 I am not one, i do not have double D boobs I'm not <laughs> you know I'm not like the perfect typical frame but you know if I work out I'll be okay and you know what I mean and then I said to myself you know maybe this might be the way for me to have that dream and you know it I got very very lucky that it worked out and I mean, I had one of the best experiences, I have to say. And I mean, it's just, it opens your life up to so, so much. The thing is, you just have to capitalize on it, which is what I I really respect about what you do, because you're there to help girls capitalize it when the spotlight is off of them. Everybody cares about what they're doing when the spotlight is on them. It's very easy to forget about them afterwards. So that's why, you know, I like like the idea of after the crown, because that's really what's important. It's how how you take advantage of of the blessings that you've been given.
1: Well, thank you. I I truly appreciate that. Thank you very much. Now, you and I were talking a little (laughs) bit before the interview. um, When you were crowned Mm -hmm. Miss Trinidad and Tobago, Uh, you faced a little bit of backlash. And I found it very interesting because, you know, as you know, in today's world, a lot of these girls face backlash and, you know, they're attacked on social media for various different reasons. But can you tell us a little bit about the scenario that you went through and how you handled it?
0: Absolutely. It was so strange because the first time when I didn't win, I was the fan favorite for Miss Universe. And there was a backlash on the girl because a lot of people were like, what? Sarah Jane should have won. She speaks all these languages and she did da. da, 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 And they were really mad about it. And I was like, no, I totally understand why this girl won. She deserved this. And I'm really happy for her. And I really wish her the best, you know. And so then it was crazy now to see a year or two later that I'm now again, you know, and I'm expecting people to be like, yeah, she finally got through. And people were just like, what? And that's when I realized, like, it doesn't matter who it is, how it is, when it is. This, it, they basically told us in training, they said, listen, if, if you win, this is what they're going to see. If you win, this is what they're going to see. You know, and they, they explained to us, it doesn't matter who, there's always going to be people unhappy. So you just have to turn around, look at yourself, know who you are, so that people can't tell you who you are. And remind yourself, that, girl, you worked real hard and you have a sash and crown, and nobody's going to stop you. And once you focus on what's important, if you let all that stuff get to you, you're not going to be able to perform because you're just going to have all these negative voices in your head. So it's like ask, I just used to ask myself, when I'm hearing all these comments on social media and she's a white girl, she doesn't look Trinidadian, she doesn't deserve it, she bought it, you know, all these stupid things. I just said to myself, Sarah, you worked very hard for this. Is it useful to you to dwell on this? Is it useful? And then I say no, it's not useful. So then I say, right, so table the topic and move on you know and that was how i was able to just keep tunnel vision at all times Absolutely. you know and understand what was important.
1: That's some great advice. So you went to Villanova University. Now you said you grew up a little bit in Costa Rica, you live in Trinidad and Tobago. Now how mm-hmm. did Villanova University come into the picture for you?
0: Oh my goodness. I went up there, I didn't even have a pair of clothes, toed shoes, I didn't have a coat. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being an immigration and the officer was like, Oh Villanova, you guys got a great basketball team and I was like, Really? We do? I didn't even know that. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> right?
0: Like I did not know like people were like where are you going to school? And I I literally like had it written on my hand. I'm like, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Villanova University. Like that was to tell you. So I was just plumped in the middle of like Pennsylvania, no Trinadians around. But that's what I wanted. I wanted that experience of just being a fish out of water and having to become a chameleon and understand this new flu. The one thing I didn't get was NFL. I still don't understand American football. I can't understand a game. (laughs) That's the one thing. You all have it. Fine. You win. Okay?
1: (laughs) That is a loaded topic. We probably don't even need to dive into it. Yeah. No, that's great. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And it's so cool, and it's like three hours long. I can't. I don't. I see Elizabeth at all the games, and I'm like, I don't know how you do it. No, but it was great. It taught me a lot. It taught me so much, and um just making, once you push yourself out of that space, you know, I feel like a lot of Trinadians, they tend to go to the same schools up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted something completely removed from that experience. And it really paid off in the end. You know, and is a great school. It's a very prestigious school. I had a fantastic experience. And I'm still friends with all of them. You know, they all live in New York City. And I just go up there all the time and, you know, like made some really, really great, great friendships. I wouldn't change that choice for anything. It was a random choice that worked out very well for me.
1: <laughs> well, you majored in political science there. What uh, What were you hoping to, you know, do with that degree? Uh, maybe what What did you want to go into?
0: I wanted to be a diplomat, actually, um, because I am. I do. I am a bit of a stateswoman, but I feel like at this point in my life, the internet has so many bikini pictures of me. I just don't know if it could happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be an issue. You
0: know, I was looking at the um, cruise president after, not yeah really, after Croatia lost at World Cup, and the first thing, all of a sudden, everybody's looking at this woman because she was so gracious, she was so fantastic, and I felt so bad for this, everybody's looking at all these bikini pictures of her, and I just hate how society does that, but, you know, like I just make a little joke to myself and say, yeah, there's too many bikini pictures maybe, maybe my other dreams you know, but politics here is just a crazy crazy game, and I think I just realized from early on, I wouldn't be able to do it, you know, but I mean, I just see it as a liberal arts degree At this point, you know, and then I added Chinese to that mix. But again, like I would advise you people to look within because I really didn't look within. I just feel like I made that choice based on the wrong reasons. You know, and if I go back now, I would have probably done communication, you know, or something like that or marketing or something. Because it's to me, I look at myself now and I'm like, this is so obvious. But a lot of times we deny these things because of what we feel like we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And especially with girls, with you know, there's a lot of education uh, emphasis placed on education for girls. They get pressured a lot to take these degrees that really, you know. At the other day, I have spent zero time really, you know, in going down that path since I graduated. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I just had to get my degree and and uh, figure out. Even years later, it took me to figure out I want to work for myself. I want to be in front of a camera because that's where I come alive, and i I can do it. It it it, that brings me alive. And then I'll also acknowledge this love for costume when I realized that I had an unhealthy obsession with costume. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it was like, you need to stop just talking about it and do it. And the thing is, because I've modeled so many costumes over the years and designed so many of the costumes that I have worn, I actually had a wealth of experience, whereas a lot of designers have not, I mean, I'm coming into this business having worn maybe over a hundred carnival costumes in my life, so I've worn every color, every cut, every kind of stone. I've seen it all, so that gave me a huge help. But again, if I never really looked inside to knowledge, what is it you really love? What is it that pulls at your heart? When? What are you thinking about when you're lying down in bed? You know, but too many girls don't do that. So for me, it was belated, but everything happens the way it's supposed to.
1: Well, sure, and I want to talk about that design business here in a second, but I do want to go back to, um, while you didn't maybe become a diplomat with that political science degree, you did kind of work for the government. We mentioned at the top of the podcast that you were the strategic communication officer for the Ministry of Energy and Energy Affairs in Trinidad and Tobago. Now, that is a title that I don't think I've ever heard any pageant girl have for any different reason, so I'd just love to know kind of where that came from.
0: Sure, it was a a great job. Um, I was working, and here's the cool part, too, the cool, just just cool points alone, I had an office on the top floor of the tallest building in Trinidad and Tobago. Well, there you go. And it was floor-to-ceiling windows. And I just remember pulling up there and just being like, oh, did this happen?" fun? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Um, no, it was a fantastic experience. And that was definitely where the languages helped. You know, I met a lot of heads of state, people coming in, um, facilitated a lot of like bilateral meetings, organized a lot of events. So it was just a great experience. I was on the permanent secretary staff. Um, so in, in a, in a ministry, you have the, the minister who obviously he's like the, he's the politician. And then you have the permanent secretary where no matter if there's a shift in power or nothing, the permanent secretary stays in place. So I was on his stuff, and he basically runs the ministry internally. So we did a lot of events, and and it was great. It was great. I learned a lot about protocol. So yeah, like I said, that would probably be the extent of my political science degree. (laughs) Again, with how crazy government is here, my boss literally got a letter saying, I'm moving you to this ministry next week. And that was it. And everybody was just like, what to do, what to do, you know? And then um, that's when I started going into advertising and, do, and writing copy and working at an advertising agency. And again, that was a great job for me because it was just different things falling on my desk every day. My thing is, I'm just an adrenaline junkie. Like, I need all sorts of different kinds of stimulation every day. So because of what I get to do now, I get to wear so many different hats on a daily basis. This is where I feel like, wow, you have truly self-actualized now, you know, maybe six, seven, eight years after graduation, I've finally been like, okay, this is your path, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I just feel sorry for my boyfriend because he, he just never gets to see me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like, hey, good night. Always, good morning.
0: He's complaining. Yeah, exactly. He's always complaining. He's always complaining. But it's, he's, a good, he's a good one. It's very, it feels strange for me now to talk to you from this level where I'm saying like, wow, like, For the first time since I graduated, I really feel like I've fallen into a very fun and rewarding stride.
1: Well, I think it's really cool that you've kind of taken the entrepreneurial journey. And as you mentioned, you you, you took the things that you were very passionate about, the carnival costumes, uh, TV hosting, radio, and you kind of decided, I'm just going to take that path and apply the things that I have learned over the time. Now, I know that your design company, SJW Designs, it's a big success for you right now as you're designing carnival costumes and swimsuits. So talk about... I guess, how you came up with the idea and really what your initial plan was with the business.
0: Oh, my goodness. If I tell you that, you will laugh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm ready for it. Let's hear it. It
0: was so, oh. <laughs> you just like laid on me. It was so, um, it was so ad hoc. So basically how Carnival works is you have two days. It's non stop. Non stop And I mean, it's year round. Everybody just looks for, it's just like a cycle. So we have like right now we're in band launch season, so The costumes come out. They have a huge, um, what we call a fest. It's like thousands of people and you have all these glittering models on stage. It looks like some, it looks like a Victoria's Secret fashion show, that kind of vibe, but it's with costume and it's just fantastic. So that's what we're in the middle of right now in summer. And, um, so basically that's Tuesday wear, but Monday it's kind of cool because Monday the masqueraders get to kind of do their own outfit and design their own outfit. And, um, it generally tends to look you know, before this, I felt like, you know, a lot of people, the Monday is kind of basic. And I used to always be very extra on Monday. I was known for that. Like, people would just say, like, oh, my gosh, her Monday looks like a Tuesday. And so I started to say, you know what, there's no reason why I can't make money off of that. Like, there's no reason why I can't create a niche because I know there's going to be other girls that want to look just as done up. So why don't I create a scaled up costume? Now, the thing is, Tuesday costumes are very, they're very fussy. There's a lot going on. There's gems everywhere. There's drapes. It's, it's sticky. It's you're know, very fussy. And I just said, right, I want all the bling that you have on Tuesday. <laughs> but I want to be comfortable. So I want it to be sporty. I want these girls to run around, do whatever they can, you know, jump up and down, go and get drinks. take a dance all they want. But I don't want them to be encumbered. But it needs to be Just as ornate, you know, and so I basically kind of created this little sweet spot and I said to myself, okay, if I sell 30 costumes, I wouldn't feel embarrassed. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I said, okay, if I do 30, I'll be like, okay, OK, good job. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and we ended up doing over 100 costumes, which I know that sounds small, but for a small island like this to do over 100 costumes on your first year is very notable. You know? And the other thing that I was very proud of as well is that a lot of people saw them and just thought they, they the costumes are so outstanding because they're completely covered in mirrors and they're done very intricately. Each costume is done by hand and takes several hours to complete. And so people came up to me after carnival and they were like, Oh my god, you must have had at least three hundred people on the road because I saw your girls everywhere. And the thing is once they put them on and the sunlight hit those mirrors, they just started to go crazy. You know, like they were just having me time. They felt like celebrities, you know. So for me now, Carnival is finally here. I had anticipated doing 30 costumes, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can imagine in just a few months, we had to scale up and scale up and scale up. I had to find new people to come work for me. I had to find new seamstresses to bag them to make more costumes. You know, so it was just like this crazy ride. So that by the time Carnival actually arrived, on top of me having to do my costume and the diet and the fitness and all the other things, By the time Carnival got here, I was, like, crawling onto the road like like a zombie. You know? (laughs) Like, I was, like, barely alive, you know? Like, and I got there, and these girls are just there looking like glamazons, and they are, like, running up to me like, this is the best Monday I've ever had on Carnival, and I love your costume. I cannot wait to wear something for you next year. And that was when I was like, whoa, okay, this is what it's like to be a designer. You know, like up until that point, I still, I think, was suffering from imposter syndrome. Sure. You know, I just felt like, oh, I'm doing something, and it just kept growing and growing. And it was only after I was like, wow, this is so rewarding.
1: Here's what I find really interesting, really quick. In the pageant world, mm-hmm. tons of girls model. Now, I know you do a lot of modeling. As you mentioned earlier, there's pictures of you in a bikini all over the internet. But what was great <laughs> is that you you took that experience of modeling and modeling these types of costumes and you didn't just say, I've got great pictures and look at me. You said, I actually think I can do these better or maybe in a better way. And you made a business out of it. What is it like to maybe take a career in modeling and say, I want to be an entrepreneur and do what I'm actually being paid to do right now?
0: I felt like I had been working with so many designers, whether it was through Mythworld or through modeling with my, ba- my carnival band or whatever, But I had learned so much. And then I think it had also provided the opportunity for me to realize, like when my costumes were a success, year after year, people were like, oh, my God, I saw that picture of that costume everywhere. Or the thing is, I said, wow, like on things like I was, we were very on trend. So you kept, look, I kept saying, okay, what's going to be big next year? Shoulders. So let's do some shoulder pads. Okay, peplum. Let's do a peplum. Okay, let's do a, a crown, like a saint style crown you know and like for me my reward is the next year seeing a bunch of costume designs come out where they're seeing style crowns or you're seeing shoulders come out in a big way at the carnival the following year and so that was i think where was the sign where i realized wait a minute i'm onto something here as a designer i'm on trend and also like on a practical sense i've worn these costumes and i've played carnival for many years so i actually know I have worn the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm able to apply that wisdom to my designs, which there are a lot of designers who really are not where, they're not models, they're mm-hmm. just designers who don't have that advantage as well. Not that I'm saying that they- it makes them any less good. I'm just saying for me, being a model was a huge part of why, because I understood this works or this is very flattering to my sheep. You know? And then I also felt like with Carnival, there is a big push towards women that look like me. You know, there is a big push to dress fairer, skinnier, younger girls. And I said to myself, that's not what I want my brand to be. I want, if you're light, if you're dark, if you're chubby, if you're skinny, if you're old, if you're young, that you have a place to wear my design. And I think that was what, uh, it was a very cool moment as well. Um, When I, you know, went on the road, you could see squads of women and they were all different shapes and they were all wearing these suits together, a dozen of them. And every girl looked good, you know, and that for me was the biggest accomplishment, was making these women feel good and seeing them write me up. It was like, wow, like I felt like this costume was made for my skin tone or was just suited my, my shape, my hips, you know, everything was very, it looked very simple, but the cuts were actually very, very thought out to be very versatile. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and I, I, that was another thing as well from a business perspective. I feel like, personally, I changed the way that moneywear was done. Um, I'm not trying to, I mean, and this is, I had a lot of help from a lot of people. You know, I'm not trying to claim credit as the end all and be all, but I will say, I personally don't think anybody had done it like that before. So we launched the costume in October. We launched the line. And then we launched, I think, right as carnival season started, we launched accessories. So like now was like it's time to pick up and the girls are trying to say, okay, and they've already signed on to play in the line. Now we launch accessories. So now I've not just made the, the swimsuit. Because like I said, a lot, of, a lot of what the market was is swimsuit with some gems stuck on it and people would wear that. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I want it to be more on it. And I want the girls to be completely kitted out. I want leg pieces. I want arm pieces. I want shades. I want belts, everything. So now I, I, I literally had hand, cross body handbags to all these different ways for women to customize their outfits so even though I had hundreds of women playing in it each girl felt like she looked unique and so it's not like you show up to a wedding and somebody has on your dress it was like okay you're wearing a white t-shirt and jeans and I'm wearing a white t-shirt and jeans but you have on bell bottoms and I have on skinnies and she has on short pants and she has on a denim skirt you know what I mean so everybody just felt like this very cool, empowering squad feeling when they arrived on the road and was like, oh, my gosh, you're in it, too. Oh, my gosh, look at us. Let's take a picture. You know, so again, like, as a woman, that was just like, wow, like, made by women, all different ages, all different types, for women, all different types. And then there was just this big, like, coming together moment. So, like, honestly, I could not have asked for a better first year. Like, I feel so blessed. I feel like I was just very lucky with timing. And I had a lot of people who were able to give me advice based on their mistakes, you know, and then just, you know, you just have to be quick with it. cause the game is up. Now this year, the game is up. They're looking for me now. They weren't looking for me last year. So now I have to come twice as good because it's going to be twice as competitive.
1: <laughs> yeah, you certainly have to bring your A game. Well, you were, you were mentioning the squad, and uh, what you told me before we were uh, on the interview here is um, you hired all women. So talk about kind of the empowering feeling of being able to hire a team of women to, to kind of be your squad, so to speak, in designing.
0: Absolutely. Um, we, it was very cool because – it is cool because the way these pieces are, you can take them home and work on it. You know what I mean? Because they do take a while. So it's like, okay, put on a movie, you know, <laughs> and just chill for a bit, you know, because it ain't going to – you can't just, you know, spit them out. And so it's cool because it's like, you go home, you do your little homework or whatever, and then we all reconvene, we sit around in a a circle, we laugh, we tell jokes, we make fun of each other, you know, we have a good time. And then we also, and the thing is too, is that all of these women were women who had never worked in carnival. And weirdly enough, that was kind of important to me because I didn't want, I mean, granted, I did, did have people that obviously have experience in carnival, but my My little squad of of us that were sitting down every day jamming out these pieces, it was all of us learning together. And so we didn't inherit the bad habits of the industry. You know what I mean? It was just we felt like friends, you know, and this was something that we were doing for these women. And I think it was truly special, I guess, just for me alone as somebody who all these years, Carnival, have been all about it's very competitive. These women are very competitive. They work out. They want to work out the best. They want to look like absolute goddesses on the road. And I really couldn't do that that year because I was so busy working and running this business. And I felt so good about it because I was like, instead of it being me, 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 I want to be the best I can. It, my focus now was like, I need my girls to look as good as they can. I can't let down these women that have signed up and that are count, they're counting on me. And I want these women to look as best as possible. So, like, that kind of transfer of my priorities, I think, almost was like a coming-of-age moment for me, too, that this is what I wanted. And that's when I realized, like, okay, this is the business for me. This is something I enjoy. It's fun. It's fast-paced. It's competitive. You lose sleep. You know, you have some crazy deadlines, you know. So, it keeps you on your toes all the time, you know. And then it's just artistic. You can create. And then doing it with a whole of women and we all love each other we have each other's back we support each other that just makes it so so much sweeter
1: well, you know, look, going into your second year, you're on such a high right now. I wish you good luck. I know you're going to do great. And I, I just I love your tenacity and your drive. I mean, you can just hear it in your voice that you are very passionate about this. So good luck with your second year.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I mean, literally from a week before Carnival, I was like already buckling under the pressure of what I'm going to come with next year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well, mm-hmm. for those of you listening, you'll notice that Sarah can very easily carry on a great uh, conversation, whether it's <laughs> in Mandarin or Spanish or English, right, Sarah? <laughs> uh, that's because because she is a TV and radio host. Um, so tell me about kind of how your radio and TV career developed alongside all these other things you're doing as the, you know, nicknamed Queen of Trinidad.
0: Oh, my gosh. Please. <laughs> I am mortified when Elizabeth told you that. Because you know what it is? Elizabeth came and stayed with us in Trinidad. Right. And I just had it like unlocked. The whole trip was planned. It was like boom, bang, boom, bang, all these you know, and she's like doing photo shoots every day and we go and stay in this amazing house, all these thing. And by the end of it, of course, she was just like, Nah, you you're just the queen of Trinidad you know and of course all my <laughs> friends are on are like, Yeah, she does kind of run things a little bit you know. <laughs> <I> <laughs> so they're be. like, No, no, no but I guess she had to tell you. Gosh, I'm dying. But um no, radio and T V is a lot of fun. Radio is I saw radio as, cause like when everybody, when I told people I want to do radio, people were like, what? Are you crazy? Um, why? Like you have a face for TV. You're a person to do TV. Why would you do radio? And I said, yo, I, this is what I need. Again, it's that self awareness that will always come into clutch, you know. And I said, this is, this is like host boot camp every single day for three hours. I'm going to be in a studio interviewing people, talking to people, you know just and that's the thing with radio too you're in a room by yourself sometimes like i have a co-host sometimes but sometimes it's just me and you're literally you people think you're crazy because you're just there playing music with your headphones on you're there telling jokes laughing at yourself Mm -hmm. you know entertaining people but it's made me so much sharper and um i would definitely say for like i said again with after the crown i'm a big believer in skill stacking you know and just Figuring out something that you know, okay, this is useful to me. This can add to, to to what I can do. So I'm going to just go down this road for a few hundred hours and yeah. master this so that yeah. I can say that I can do this. So something like randomly, I took a Google AdWords course the other day just so I could say I'm certified in Google AdWords and I might not need it right now. But you know, like you have people that when you come with something, like if you come to a job interview and you say, Yes, I can do A and I can do B very well. But it's different when you go, yeah, I can do A, B, Z, Q, Y, um, I'm pretty good at P and S, you know what I mean? And yeah. so that makes you that much more useful. So for me now being like, yes, I do radio. I can host radio. Yes, I am involved in social media and marketing. I have my bearings with that for sure. You know, and, and just different things. It makes you so much more versatile, um, and much more hireable. You know, so it's just like, even if it seems useless at the time, you have no idea what you're going to learn from an endeavor. So once that door is open to you, just take it, just grab it, because it doesn't have to come back to you right now. But the way the universe works down the line, you will see it. You know, you will definitely see it. So for radio, I said to myself, let's do this. This is going to be like host boot camp. I'm there. And now it's crazy because now that I'm hosting, I, I have, I host a show called Bling My Wedding where we go in and we bling out people's weddings. It's actually the awesomest job anybody could ever have, <laughs> I bet. you know, to just like making brides so happy. And now I feel like I'm going to be a wedding wizard by the time I'm finally ready. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And it's made me such a much better TV host because I have had now put in endless hours. and and focusing on my elocution because all I have is my voice. Radio was important to me because I'm so tired of people telling me that I got somewhere because I'm pretty. And I said, yo, listen to my show because you like listening to me. Listen to my show because you think I'm funny. Listen to my show because you think you can learn something. But you can't see you listen to my show because I'm pretty, because you can't even see me. <laughs> well, I hope that makes some
1: sense. No, that makes total sense. Let's talk a little bit about that, because you and I both come from the TV hosting background. Um, I actually wrote a book on it. You've experienced it uh, from the TV side and the radio side. So let me ask you this, because this was my experience, and it's probably the reason that we're you and I are doing this right now, is that when you're a TV mm-hmm. host, a lot of it is it is. Let's just be honest. It's about you, you know, and it's about how you appear and what you're doing and who you're around and who you're interviewing and all that stuff. But when you go to radio, number one, you have to learn how to ad lib a lot. You know, you and I have been talking for what, 40, 45, 50 minutes now. You know, you could talk for three hours. Number two exactly. is you have to learn how to listen because you don't have anybody to look at. You don't have anything to, to stare at. So it's like if you're not listening, you're totally screwed. Yes. And
0: everything I know, this a lot of people do, right? So like I'll see it on TV even, they'll be doing an interview and somebody will mention something earlier on in their response, right? Like this is like, I'm talking like politics, talking heads if I'm looking at the news, even. Mm -hmm. And they will just hear that little tidbit and they will just hold on to that tidbit until the end of the question and ask something about that. You know, because they'll just be like, right, I've lined up the next question. And they line up the next question and they just don't really take in what the person is saying. You know, and that's something that, you know, you have to, Take in this person and, and just listen to them and listen to threads, like I call them threads. Mm-hmm. You know, like even when we did the casting for Bling My Wedding to figure out which, which couples they wanted, they, they basically were like, Sarah, you need to basically, we want you to, to take a strong stance on, on interviewing the couples because you, you know, I would see things I'd say, okay, and, and tell me, have you been having issues with your in laws? You know, and you'd see them roll their eyes and be like, well, da 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 da. You know, or like, has religion come into play? And it's because they will, if you really study people, like, you know, and that's when you see people. That's why people like Oprah and Tony Robbins, when they're so gifted, because they're looking at, they're actually taking any person and looking at them. You know, and so radio is the same thing. Like, you have to be on your P's and Q's. You have people coming into your show every single day. And you have to be a chameleon and know how to work with them and meet them halfway. And not everybody's the same. You know, some people, you have to warm them up. You know, and these are all skills where... TV, you just go on, you read your, 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 read your um, what is it, your... Teleprompter? Teleprompter. You read the teleprompter, you nail it, and you're like, all right, sweet, same time tomorrow, guys. Yeah. You know, radio, it's like, <laughs> you're live. You are live. And if you make a mistake, the nation is hearing it on the radio. And you have to be funny and quick, and you can't be inappropriate. There's certain lines you cannot cross. You know, but all the while, you still have to keep it quick-paced. So that is an art that not everybody can do, you know. So radio is underrated, you know, and radio has taught me so much so belatedly in the game. That's why I'm so grateful for it.
1: Well, look, you are a incredible example to a lot of women out there of tenacity, of passion, of experience, of drive, and it's so cool to see you do all these different things and being so successful at what you do. And I know you have a big social media following. So for those around the world who are listening to this, um, who either adore you or look up <laughs> to you or, hey, I just want to be kind of like Sarah Jane. What advice would you have for them in general, who, you know, those who are coming from the pageant world, on you know how to succeed after it's all over?
0: Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Loaded question. I'll huh? tell you this. No, no, no. Yes, but, but, you know, I could tell you exactly what it is for sure. The day that my life changed, um, I realized to myself, I said, you know, I said to myself, gosh, boy, because I am religious, you know, and I said, gosh, boy, God blesses me every day. Every breath that you take is somebody's last breath. Right, And I'm not about to hit you all with some BS about like, be grateful for, I mean, obviously yes, be grateful. That's great. Whatever. That's not, that's generic. I don't care. That's anybody. You can get that advice from a fortune cookie. My point is, I woke up and said, God blesses me every single day. What am I doing to pay forward those blessings, right? Because I said to myself, when God sees you blessing other people, paying forward the things that he gives you, he gives you more, Right. And so I started to say to myself, okay, I'm going to start looking for opportunities where I could do things for the people. And it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be anything like that. It could just be generosity with your spirit, with how you interact with people, with what just giving of yourself on a daily basis, you know. And so I just started to live my life differently. Not that I was some heathen, crazy person, selfish, wacko before, mm-hmm. but I just started to see. Oh, that's an opportunity crossing my path. You know what I mean? And then anytime I saw, like, I just see myself as I'm in space, like floating. This is kind of a weird metaphor, right? But like, I'm in space floating and there's like a hundred doors in front of me, right? And you can open, behind one door is success. Behind one door is, is your fortune. But you can't, you know, you have to, you can only open one door at a time. But if you just stand up there floating, frozen, because you don't know which door to open, what does that really say? What, what, you know, what are you really doing with your life? You know, so my thing was, I just started looking for opportunities where I could do nice things for people, make new friends, meet new people. Even when I did the pageant, from time I got there, it was like, oh my gosh, you need a pair of errands? Come, let me help you. Oh my gosh, what shoe size are you? Don't worry, I have shoes for your girl. Don't worry, it's fine. You know, and so, like, I was able to do these things where coming down to the end of the pageant, it, you know, those girls were there for me. You know what I mean? Like, they had a girl who had some really bad eyebrows, and I really helped her out in a big way. And it came back to me, you know? <laughs> so, and that was, that, I, that, that was the year that I became Miss TNT. And, you know, this secret dream that I never thought I would end up having because I was a runner-up before. And it was all because I had started really just opening doors one after the other, opening up friendships, meeting new people, networking, go to the meeting, go to the, go to the event, go to the whatever it is, take the interview, have the conversation. Because if you just say no, you're, you have no idea where that could lead. You could go to the meeting and end up having a completely different discussion. And like I said, once you've started mastering all these different talents and skills, you become very versatile. So you yourself now have way more to bring to the table. So you can't really, you don't know what's going to go on when you walk through that door. And when we did Miss World, I stood up at at the Oxford debate hall and and spoke with Tony Blair and all this, it was the most amazing feeling ever. You know, and I stood up there and we were talking about beauty with a purpose. And I said, let me tell you all something, beauty by itself, is boring and everybody just started to laugh because nobody saw that coming i said beauty by itself is boring beauty with a purpose that's different beauty by itself yeah beauty by itself will get you the job beauty with a purpose will get you a promotion you know what i mean like beauty by itself you you'll meet the people you know whatever but you have to be able to walk through that door you know and that is why i think too many people just give in to self-doubt resistance this, that, and, and especially in the pageant world, when you do a pageant, you open up so much into your life. So much good comes into your life. But you know what? When you open those doors, a lot of bad comes into your life too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you are basically, when you put yourself in a pageant, you're basically telling people, yo, criticize me, judge me. You're offering up yourself for public speculation and judgment. And a lot of girls who are not as strong in who they are, that's very hard on them. And that can leave you in a very frazzled after especially when you don't win which is basically 99% of the competition Hmm. do not walk away with the crown that's right you know so like my thing is open the door always take it yes answer the phone call, take the job, always just say yes and you'll end up carving out a life for yourself.
1: Well, look, I can see why Elizabeth calls you the queen of Trinidad. You are incredible. I, I just love listening to you. I could sit here. We could probably talk for four or five hours if we needed to. But...
0: I know, I'm so sorry. I'm uh, no, it no, it's great. I really I appreciate like...
1: you. I appreciate you spending the time. As a matter of fact, I see some possible uh, collaboration in the future that we could probably do. So thanks for doing this today.
0: You see what I mean? But imagine, him. imagine, him. if you just reached out to me and I was like, Oh, my God, I'm busy. I have this. I have production <laughs> going on right now. I open the door, and I walk through the door. See? Yeah.
1: There you go. <laughs> See? You, you know how to do it. You know how to do it. Well, hey, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. You're, you're you're awesome.
0: Of course. Of course. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and thank you for all these lovely things that you've said about me. Like I said, my head is so swollen now. I don't think I'm going to be able to sit in my car, and I'm trying <laughs> to get home from here. Well,
1: him. just give it a little time to deflate, and then you can get back home and get to sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I will say one last thing for the record. What time is it now? It's half past eight here and I'm in my production house working. Right? So I could talk all you know, I can talk all about all these doors and space and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, it's hard work. That's the only way you're gonna get there. And I'm literally sitting here with a glue gun in my hand as I'm talking to you to turn costume for my deadline
1: tomorrow. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't think I'm going to be in Trinidad and Tobago anytime soon, so if you're up in the States and, uh, you know, look us up, we'd love to certainly hang out with you for a little while. Tim,
0: send me a measurement. I will make you a mirrored speedo. Um, I, I don't mind doing it in a song if you
1: want. We do not we want anybody to, to see that, I promise you. <laughs> Oh,
0: goodness. But thanks again. I really, really appreciate it.
1: That is today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app, Google Play. Or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you're still involved in the pageant world and you're listening and you're wondering, well, you know, well, gosh, what does life after the crown look like for me and how can I prepare for it? Well, I highly encourage you to download my free life after the crown starter guide. It's a quick read, about 35 pages. It's a great blueprint on how to start planning now and not when it's all over. So I highly encourage you to get it. Just go to Timtialdo.com slash starter guide. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Colossians 3.14. Forgive as quickly and completely as God forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Make it a great week, everybody.